Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. I made a promise last week that did not come through to fruition. It did not come to fruition. It was unfortunate, but the good news came out of it. But at least we got we got something to take from it, and that is John Lucas Duffy back in action on Subway Sports Talk. I promised the whole MA Outsider crew. But Frank Villani's out in Arizona living it up right now. He'll be back soon. Jay Lou, though, John Lucas Duffy, you're back. It's been a minute. It's good to talk to you. How you doing? Back from the dead. Back from the sorry to disappoint everybody, but here I am. <laughs> it has been a long time, and, you know, now it's uh, playoff play-in time in the NBA. And what I did was listen back to all of our takes in the preview podcast to see how we fared in our over-unders and just – how different the season ended from what we expected, which is obviously every year, but even more so it felt like this year is crazy. Here in some of our takes, we'll hear some of those. Also, we'll hear Kyle Anderson back on the pod, been the MVP of the NBA Outsiders this year, so I'll give you that for sure. Welcome back, son. Appreciate it, brother. How What's you going on, man? I'm happy, happy to be back, man. Happy. Obviously, we're missing Frank, but most of the squad is back, man. We, we were missing J. Lou for a minute, so yes. glad he's back. And we couldn't I show up uh, when when it's time for the playoffs. You know, I show up when it counts. That's it, man. Yeah. That's what, it. what happened? We we lost Andrew Duffy as well. He's not he's not here tonight either. So we, we really it was a tough year for the NBA outsiders as far as the five of us, or at least the four or three of us. A lot. Well, we got the three of us a couple times, of course, but it was tough out here. People moving. COVID. The first COVID year, we couldn't do anything, and now we had to play catch up in a lot of. A lot of departments. It was tough. You know, the, the simple stuff. And uh, at least we're got, getting to do some of those things. At least in NBA playoffs, we're going to have a lot of those stadiums with a lot of fans. Some of those stadiums with some fans, which is a big win. I don't know if you guys saw on uh, at MSG, playoff tickets are selling over $1,000 per ticket. Woo! Man, I mean, I get it's limited access, but that is brutal. You will miss me. Yeah. At those games, <laughs> I'll be watching for my couch. I ain't couch. got it. I ain't got it. <laughs> this podcast is not <laughs> good enough. It's a playoff game. I was looking. Uh, I was looking to go out to Vegas with a few of my buddies for you know one friend's birthday to watch a Eagles game. He's an Eagles fan. Eagles Raiders, eight hundred dollars a ticket. Regular season game. Eagles Raiders. Whoa. Are you s- that the storied Eagles Raiders rivalry? <laughs> oh my god! Right. Oh. The Raider, Raiders ain't even that nice. They're not. Not, no, not for eight hundred like, right, dollars. We'll yeah, we'll just go to a, uh, a Giants Eagles game. It'll be way cheaper. Yeah. You got to you got to think now. Every single person who's out to Vegas for a guy's weekend is checking the NFL schedule now. It's like, can we sneak in a game? That could be kind of fun. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't. Maybe you. <laughs> Maybe you right. can. Then, them tickets, yeah, right. Them tickets Maybe looking Kyle like that. After all his over under success. Maybe Kyle. Hey, listen, bro. Them, and that them tickets looking like that. I might have to go undefeated for over under to be getting paid like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a little little bit next level. And, and you know, and you know, you're probably blowing already five hundred at the table at least for doing some doing some gambling. 
Like, yeah, whether the craps table tonight determines whether or not I'm going to game tomorrow. Correct. <laughs> Either my ticket's on the table. Yeah, man. That's that's tough. I don't know if I can handle that. You know, and all the tickets are expensive, if you really think about it. I mean, I'm, we're not talking about the old uh, Chipotle rule, Duff, that we used to apply to, like, the, the still, Pelicans. It still holds. It still holds maybe to the Pelicans. You know, we used to be like, you can watch Anthony Davis play basketball for the price of a Chipotle burrito. Like, really. Like, the tickets are like tw- like $11 sometimes down there. And we're they over were here. legit $7. Like, and you, could, you put in taxes. I said that. Taxes and fees. You know, we're getting guac. For, you know, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be more than the ticket. <laughs> it's tough. But, you know, New York is a different cat. It's it's obviously understandable, but it stinks. You, you will not find me at those games. That being said, we are very excited to watch these games in particular, the New York Knicks though, we are not going to focus a ton on them, but they are, if we're not just talking like on this podcast, which obviously we talk on New York sports a good bit. If you're talking NBA and you're talking what we're about to do, which is look back at some of the preseason takes from the over under pod and think about how, how much either went right or wrong for a lot of these teams or how much we got right. The Knicks probably, and Jay Lou, I'll give this one to you because it's going to come back in a little bit. Knicks probably are t- amongst the lead leaguers, league leaders. There we go. In you know variation of what their storyline we thought they would be, basically. You know what I mean? Like they had the biggest swing from the average prediction to what they actually t- accomplished. It's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, people just throwing darts. Like we all hyped the Knicks up like crazy, and you'll hear it in a minute. And we all were like, "Yeah, twenty-eight wins." <laughs> <laughs> right, it's unreal. Right. Like, oh, definitely. Knicks about to go can, crazy this lock year. Unbelievable. You can lock up that Knicks. That Knicks over. We're like, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna hammer it. Not gonna make the playoffs though. Chill out. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now look at them. The four seed with a home game. And we, we all picked the over. Game. We all nailed the over. And we weren't. And all of us close. were like, yeah, they gotta be like one one game better than the Cavaliers, who are also a twenty two and a half. <laughs> game spread like oh they gotta be 23 wins in the back easy oh man just, just out of respect for tibs just out of respect for tibs like they tibs alone two games it's like seven wins you know? come on now it's unbelievable so we're gonna get into a bunch of that we're not gonna spend too much time on the overview stuff because obviously everybody now you know we're getting ready for the playoffs it's definitely fun it's definitely interesting to think about all this variation and what we thought was gonna happen and what actually happened but obviously we want to talk about the actual basketball that's coming up this week by the time this podcast comes out, it's the day of the first playing game. We got the Eastern Conference games on Tuesday, and then the very anticipated battle of Lakers-Warriors and then Spurs-Grizzlies on Wednesday uh, before the first round commences, I guess, later on. When does the first round actually start? On Sunday? Or is it playing? Uh, it's, playing after, and... it's either Saturday or Sunday, or, or early that next week. Yes. Like it's The last playing game goes all the way to Friday. Right. So either way, we got some time to talk about the Knicks versus the Hawks, about you know, the Sixers and their overview about the whole preview and stuff like that. So we're going to get into the play-in stuff in a bit. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about the over-unders. And when we talk about the over-unders, there's one place to start. It was this guy's first ever time doing over-unders in the podcast. His name is Kyle Anderson. Shout out Kyle Anderson. You went. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. 19 and 11, Kyle, which is very good. Congratulations to you. That was first place in our, our group of five. That includes... Obviously, myself, Duff, Frank, Kyle, and Andrew Duff, Andrew Duffy. So this is how it broke down. Kyle was 19-11. and 11. 
Andrew Duffy and Frank Villani, 17 and 13. And Duff, you and I, Jay Lou and Pete, taking down the, the back end of the over-unders. We still went over 500, but 16 and 14. Uh, to break it down real quick, you know, the, the unders were cooking in the Eastern Conference. Combined, we were 20 and 12 on unders in the East. We were under 500 on overs. But in the West, we absolutely crushed the overs. 26 and 14 on the overs and 16 and 19 on the unders. And if you think about those numbers in particular, it kind of makes sense, right? If you think about 1 through 8 right now, even 1 through 10 in the Western Conference, definitely a little bit higher level basketball being played than the Eastern Conference. In the East, it's very much so the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks, and then a big group of people from the Knicks down to, if you want to bring in the Celtics, we'll get there. Uh, but the, the the Hawks, the Heat, whatever. In the West, you got Jazz, Phoenix, LA, LA, Denver, uh, Dallas, Portland, all and Golden State, because we're going to throw them in there too. The top eight really all kind of fit in that mold of like, hey, if this year went a little bit differently, like you could have been a couple seeds higher. You could have been a little bit in a better position of power here. But the West was awesome. East was surprisingly good in some spots, disappointing in others. So with that being said, we're going to get right into the first sound bite we got from the Eastern Conference Over Under podcast. And I just, guys, I want you to listen and think about, not even going to say anything. I just want you to listen. This is about the Boston Celtics, and it kind of hurts. This is a good team. Offensive rebounding, he'll help tremendously. And I think you have two all-stars at, on this team. Even if Kemba Walker's out, I think Jalen Brown has a chance to make that jump. And I said it on the last podcast we did together. Tatum is my sneaky MVP pick. He goes up a percentage point. This team is also a professional basketball team in the sense that they don't take like games lightly very often and they will play uh, you know, teams like the Nets and the Bucks, and it'll be a little bit of a tougher matchup, but they should just knock out some of these not-as-good teams. I like the over on the Boston Celtics. At least a game ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Started playing the second one there by accident, but... Boy, did that one sting, uh, Duff. <laughs> I, I I did. I said one thing that was pretty good, right? I said they might Jaylen have. Brown. They're gonna have two all stars. Jalen Brown can make that leap to all star. That was correct. Everything yep. else I said was a lie. <laughs> was was not good. Total was fabrication. Not accurate. What happened to the freaking Celtics? We're about to talk about them in a minute uh, when we talk play in. This was everything we thought the Celtics weren't. Why? What happened over there? Yeah, that was the best part. Is is you were just like hanging your the, the whole take you were hanging your hat on on like this is just a professional organization. They're gonna show up night in, night out, and it's just the one thing that ever like that that I keep hearing about them is is how casually they've gone through the season. Like just so <laughs> ho hum. They've been down by twenty points like over a dozen times. They're down by double digits almost every game. It's like so ridiculous, and it's like. Of the game, I, I like so I have that second job where I'm watching like all these games at one time, basically, and it's just like every one, like I, just, it's when you're trying to watch six games, you can't really watch any. But every time I I look over at the Celtics game, like that part rang true, and someone pointed out, it'd be like, oh yeah, how many times have I looked over there? And it's just like, oh shit, they're gonna lose to the Hornets again tonight. Or it's like, oh man, this game's going down to the wire with the Timberwolves. Like they just did not. They, they just didn't have any, like, uh, it's kind of like what, what we said about the Clippers last year, where they just didn't have, like, kind of a leader. They didn't have they didn't have a leader. They had no oomph this season. That's how it seemed to me. No juice. Like, no juice. And we thought Marcus Smart would come back, they'll get some juice back. And it just never happened for them. Kemba never got right. 
you do throw in like they had more COVID misses than any other team in the league, but that's almost, it was so bad that that's almost not an excuse. You want to feel bad because that's bad luck and it's unfortunate for them, but also you had enough other times to try hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you think those guys coming in like random off the, in the rotation, not that Neesmith is random, but like him, Robert Williams, or like Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, like you think someone would step up and just be like, oh man, that's just like a shot of energy for this team. Nope, just flat, flat line all season long. And then on top of that, like to make matters worse, you know, at the trade de- trade deadline, everyone's like, hey man, I wonder what the Celtics going to do. You know, they definitely need some help. Let's get They're Evan Fournier. Yeah, nice. and he got COVID the, like, the next day. Tice. Let's get rid of Tice, like the glue like the glue to our defense and, like, you know, a guy that just does all the dirty work. Let's get rid of him. Like, it, it was just, like, everything that could have gone wrong for the Celtics went wrong. Chemistry-wise, COVID-wise, uh, you know, guys just weren't making plays. Guys were picking nights when to play and when they wanted to play. Like you said, Duff, they're getting blown out by the Timberwolves and, and – you know, going down to the wire with the Bulls or or you know whoever it is. It's just the Knicks. Like was, they they're more talented. The they're more talented than the Knicks, but yeah, like every and they beat the Knicks in a couple of tight games. But it's kind of like if they really were playing right, they would be a four, the, they would be the four seed and they would beat the yeah. Knicks easily. Not like these tight if games. The, Not the Knicks, if Knicks are the Knicks played them in a playoff series. I think the Knicks win it, which is might be crazy. But you know, even though they have the talent. The Knicks are just like way more consistent. You know, you never know what you're going to get from Boston. A hundred percent. And I couldn't have missed more because no. all, all I said was that at least we know they'll try hard and play the right way. And that's not what they did. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Oh man. What are you going to do? It's definitely, it's yeah, definitely too, just real quick on them. Like it's not just Brad Stevens, though. He deserves blame. It's not just Danny Ainge, though. This roster is not good. It's kind of the fact that they don't have the Jay Crowders and Marcus Morrises, even if you don't like those guys that much, to be vets and to show people how to operate. Al Horford, for example. It's also the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had the two best years of their career statistically, and yet if you watch them night in, night out, which I don't watch them night in, night out, but I've watched them enough this year to know, they're just playing their games, and they're doing their things at a high level, and it's not making the team better. It's not helping them out. And it's going to have to be a long conversation over this offseason. And if they're you know, trying to make a splash here in the playoffs before the playing game. Um, but wait, let's move on. Next one is the New York Knicks here. And uh, Duff, this is for you. Feel free to jump in during, after, or whatever. But the excitement was real for the Knicks, despite some of the details may being uh, a little bit off. I'm, I'm going I'm to start this one off. Knicks fans, I'm riding with you this season. I, I think... From what I've seen in the preseason and from how I felt about Obi Toppin, how I felt about Kevin Knox, almost gave up on him, didn't. It's going to be a good year between Kevin Knox and Lonzo Ball for me and for uh, Pete. I just think the Knicks are going to be actually fun to watch this season if you're if you're a Knicks fan. like You're going to have between R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, uh, and Emmanuel Quickly. You are always going to have someone... One of those guys is going to have a good game, you know, even throwing Amari Spellman there. Like, one of those guys is going to have a good game every night. Cut it. Cut so there's it. always going to be it. a young piece to cut, cut to and say, all right, you know, like, he's shown some flashes, you know, this, that. I'm playing the whole there's thing. no old heads on this <laughs> roster is going to be taking away any minutes except for, you know, 
Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, that's fine. You know, Austin Rivers, you need those guys to kind of spot up a little bit. Dennis Smith Jr., if he gives you anything, that's a fat <laughs> bonus. So I'm excited for the Knicks, and I say that unironically this season. I'm definitely taking the over because I think they're at least a game better than the than the Cavaliers. So I'm uh, taking the over, 22 and a half. You're right. <laughs> that, is, that is like the the, the oh like real life example of using the wrong equation to get the right answer on a math test mm. yes yeah, yeah teachers teachers asking you like hey show your work and you're like show your work uh... it's like i show all the wrong work and i write down the right numbers i hey, get the this, number though this is a results oriented business folks over they were at least one game better than the cavaliers spot the lie spot the lie. you said spot no lie. you said almost no lies in that in that thing though though it's just hilarious to think back like re- you said austin rivers who had like yeah. three good games 10 bad ones and left he put, yeah 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 the, yeah, the Knicks. alec yeah, the Knicks stepped is, in that was definitely out. upgrade uh-huh. uh omari spellman i don't know if he played a regular he season minute and and yeah he just wasn't in the league uh, Kevin Knox, he actually had a nice year, but he didn't play enough for it to matter. Uh, but it's just so funny because you were excited, speaking highly of them, and still undersold what they did by 20 games almost. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. almost by 20 yeah. games. And we all did. We all did the same exact thing. Kyle went after Duff. Frank went after Kyle. I went after all of them. And we all were like, we're excited. Tibbs got this team playing right. Like, Emmanuel quickly's going to do some stuff. Obi Toppin's, like, going to do a few things. And his team's going to be doing great stuff. But, but, no playoffs. Don't get your hopes up. 28 wins. And look at us now. Four seed. What? Yep. It's just silly. Baby but steps. That That's, I, I feel like we're all just, like, baby steps. Baby steps, man. Hey, we're going to have a good season. We'll be fun to watch. Like you said, Duff, we'll be fun to watch. You know, we'll be competitive. You see what happens when you have, when you manage your expectations, Knicks fans? Yeah, that's um, it, man. No, but I, I think the last time I was on this podcast, Pete, I said to you, I was like, don't, you know, don't think it's out of the, I upgraded my Knicks tape. I was like, don't, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that this team could go to, you know, a five seed. You know, if they hold that five seed, don't, don't be surprised. And then sure enough, I, I called them a five seed after being like, yeah, they're going to win 23 games and hit the over and just be like a fun team. Then I'm like, yeah, they're going to be a five seed. Then they're a four seed. So and- at every turn, we undersold them. Well, that yeah. adaptation of take right there that you had is essential, realistically. And it's something that I did poorly, I think, this whole year. I think I think I do a good job of assessing what I see with my eyes. But I did a really bad job with using that and predicting forward. Because I kept saying, I'm seeing this thing that I like with them on the court. I'm seeing this thing that they're doing well. I love their effort. Then I, then I just harped on all the butts, on all the scoring issues or all the lack of closer they had on the team and kept saying, don't expect playoffs. All right, maybe you can expect playing. All right, don't expect a four seed. Look, the Celtics are going to get better. The Hawks are getting healthier. The Heat are going to be better. The Raptors are still better. And I kept doing this all year, all year, all year until it was undeniable. Like, oh, snap. The Knicks are top six team in the East. And the way it worked out, they got number four, and it's pretty spectacular. I mean, Kyle, you were pretty much in lockstep with us all along. You probably got... Uh, the the take adapted for you a little bit quicker, like it did Duff as well. Yeah, dude. It and I think it was from just like we were talking about, just seeing one the effort, two the chemistry, you know, between the team. It was never like, um, give Julius Randle a ball and get the hell out the way, you know, because he was still a guy that was trying to get other guys involved. And on top of that, 
we were we we're actually hitting threes, which we weren't doing, you know, earlier in the year. And then like progressively throughout the year, we were starting to like light up the league in with three balls. You know, we weren't taking the most, but we were like like top five in percentage. It was ridiculous. So seeing the progression from RJ, Alec Burks, uh Bullock, you know, it's just dudes that were stepping up and making big time shots in big time moments. And, you know, we just it just it was consistent throughout the year. You know, there was never a night where we was like, oh man, like you know, one guy might not might not have a, a, the greatest game, but then someone stepped up in their place, which was which was clutch, man. There's a reason why they're the four seed. Absolutely. And, and now we are here with a legitimate chance to win a playoff series. The Knicks opened up, at least to what I saw on FanDuel earlier today, at minus 115 to win the series. So, like, literally hardly a favorite, but a slight favorite as the Hawks were minus 105. So it was just about as even as you can possibly get with the slightest of edge to the Knicks uh, at minus 115 to win that series. But, uh, you know, Nick probably just a coin flip. That's, that's a coin flip, but then they're they're just giving the the betting number to the Knicks. And because they're home, there's going to be more people, more Knicks fans betting than Hawks fans. Yeah, for sure. And they're home. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We'll we'll get to, we'll get to that series later in the weekend. It's going to be great fun to try and predict. I'm just saying this about Trey Young. If Tibbs and that crew is doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're going to run the old whoever's guarding Trey Young comes up to set a screen for Randall, Barrett, Rose, and you need to put Trey Young in a freaking blender every play. Make him work. Make yep. him make him hate existence on a, a basketball court. Like, cause it, you could do that, and he's never been in the playoffs. He's never been attacked like you can attack somebody in the playoffs. We've seen it happen to Lou Williams. We've seen it happen to people like Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry, who obviously you're not going to take off the court. The Rockets were running everything. They were doing everything in their power to get Steph's guy up to make Steph have to guard uh, James Harden or Eric Gordon or Chris Paul, whatever it may be. So that's going to happen Cavs at Trey Young. J.R. Smith was setting. Cavs did the same thing. J.R. Smith was setting pick and, high pick and roll screens. Exactly. So I want to see Reggie Bullock, who's probably going to be Trey Young's assignment because Trey Young can't guard. Well, Alpha Payton, we'll see what happens there. He can't guard Rose. He can't guard R.J. Barrett. So I think it'll be Bullock by by default who can shoot over him and come out, set the screen, pick and pop. Randall, if he gets ISOs on Trey Young, oh my God, it's going to be scary. It's going to be very scary. All right, next one. This is actually be the last soundbite we got here because we got a bunch, obviously, of of good takes, bad takes, funny takes, and and all that on the Western Conference one as well. But to shout out to Frank real quick here, this take was just perfect, and this is why you do it. This is why sometimes you try to be too analytical, you try to be too specific, too detail-oriented, and sometimes this is all you need. I'm just going to echo past sentiments from my boy Duff and hold it against the Orlando Magic. I don't give a shit about Orlando. <laughs> uh, so out of spite, I'll Their court the is under, ugly to look at. Change, change cities and maybe I'll change my under. <laughs> I picked the over, but I, res- I respect the hell out of that take, Frank. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Justice for Seattle. And that was that's it. And the under hit. And guess what? I tried to say about the Orlando Magic, you know, Vucevic and Markel Fultz, not on the team, hurt out for the season. They they have a good foundation. They're going to win 32 games. No. They just need to go to Seattle. That's what it is. This it, trust, who, who's watching? Who's watching? It's grandparents and their grandkids. 
That's it. Like, if you really watch them on League Pass, it's like grandparents, grandkids, the mascot, and that DJ who plays the weirdest music of all time. It's like the anti-Atlanta. It's so crazy. Mm. It's like, like the opposite. You know I mean? like, Think, no like, no the one's going to... No one's going to Orlando. Right. No one's going to Orlando. It's like, you know what? Let's go inside and watch a basketball game. Hell no. Let's go to a freaking park. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to Universal. You Let's know go to Epcot. Like, let's go to imagine, Disney. But no, imagine that the, uh, uh, a magic game compared to going to like Epcot is that's like the cheap. That's like the cheap day out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. Hey, if you're trying to say, you know, if you're balling on the budget with your girl, you're going to a magic game. You ain't going to Epcot. Yeah. You know no, what I'm saying? Not going to magic <laughs> and you're eating Hell Chipotle. No. You're eating Chipotle for dinner. You're Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. And the magic game. Uh, that's how you go full you, circle. Going, the, the magic and the, and, uh, the hornets. Oh, Sometimes yeah. you just got to trust cheap. your gut and just, just appreciate like Frank did. Just I've been watching long enough. I don't need to overthink this. I see Orlando Magic. I pick the, I pick the under. That's Yo, it. That easy. These dudes always suck. I'll ride with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rude. So rude, but it's so true. You can't even get around it. Uh, all right, quickly on the Easter Conference, you know, we got also, you know, we went four across. All four of us hit the New York Knicks. Andrew Duffy did not ride the ride the bus on that one. He went under. But we went across the board for overs on the Knicks on the podcast. We went across the board for the Washington Wizards. Frank, actually, no, Jay Lou locked in the Wizards. I believe we were all pretty emphatic. And that was one of those ones where their number is 32 and a half. They only got to 34, and it was ugly, ugly for the first half of the season. Now it's like, they almost got to right where they were supposed to get, but if you really think about what happened to them this year, they're probably closer to a 40-win team. Is that fair to say? With what we've seen since they've been healthier uh, and post their COVID issues and Russell Westbrook, like his knee or hip, whatever the hell he had wrong with him, got better. They've been a pretty solid team. Like, they won 34. Do you look at this team, Duff, now going into the playoffs as a 38-39 win team that just had bad luck or... You think they ended up where they were supposed to? I mean, they got destroyed early on the season by COVID and injuries, especially COVID early. I remember that because the Sixers played them like three times in the first two weeks somehow. And if this season was 10 games longer, they could have been 500 or better. Like, they they could have uh, – or no – no, because it's ten games. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, they were peaking. Close. They're peaking right now at yeah. the right time, and the and the Celtics are not. So that's like I definitely would have the Wizards as a favorite in that game. No Jalen Brown, so I, the Wizards. I hate watching. I don't hate watching him necessarily. Russell Westbrook. He's fun to root against because he is just like he's like a dog who gets off the leash. He's just like out there doing shit, and you can't really control him or tell him what to do or he doesn't really know what he's trying to accomplish but the wizards i think they got bad luck early in the year i think in a regular season yeah they probably still are like a seven or eight seed but they're a more respectable seven or eight seed at like low 40s right they're pushing that six for real like they'd be pushing the six with 10 more games like the heat the knicks and the hawks would be not wanted to see them and they they were their scoreboard watching them over the next 10 games if there were if there were more Another team we hit really well is the under on the Pacers. Now, they had obviously a big trade. You know, Old Depot went out. Levert came in. Levert then missed when they found the mass uh, on, I forget where it was, like on his intestine or something like that. Uh, thankfully, he's fine. He's actually putting up buckets now. But we all hit the under there. We actually, this is so funny. This is one of the ones I meant to cut, Duff. 
and Kyle too. We were talking about Nate Bjorkrim, the coach of the Pacers. And actually, Kyle, it was you who looked him up because I forget what happened. We were talking about the Pacers and we're like, yo, what's good? Like, what are they doing? Like, who are the Pacers? Who do they think they are? Which in reality, that was pretty spot on by us. And we were like, who's their coach? And you were like, I don't want to butcher the name. Nate Buckrin, Boykrin, whatever. And we're like, all right, well, we don't know who he is. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's this. Turns out he's horrible and nobody likes him. <laughs> like, Dude. And now they're under. Miserable. We went off on Nate McMillan yeah. about how they gave him an extension for millions of dollars. And then a month later, we're like, nah, Nate Bjorkren. Apparently, he knows offense, but nobody likes him. <laughs> oh, and the best part is then they the Hawks fire their head coach at, who started the year with them, that young guy. What was his name? Does anyone remember his name? Uh, Saunders. Wait, no, who? No, Lloyd Pierce. Oh, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce, yeah, Atlanta. Is that right? Yeah, and then Nate McMillan comes in and, like, saves the season all of a sudden. Hilarious. Ridiculous, dude. And now, you know, the Pacers look so dumb right now. You know, like, that easily could have been you. But now, I mean, good for Nate McMillan because think about the roster in Indiana and think about the roster now in Atlanta. Like, talk about an upgrade of a roster. You know, uh, that's so much more you can work with. And he's more of, I'm pretty sure, like more of a defensive guy. So, you are, you got guys that can get buckets, and now all I got to do is just teach you how to play play some defense, like give a little effort. And and he's definitely a a guy that seems like they've Atlanta's bought into, you know, since he's gotten there. I mean, they've been like on the uprise. So, I mean, as as much as as a Knicks fan, I'm like excited for this series, and I'm like re- pretty hopeful that we'll win the series. At the same time, I'm just like, dude, this is going to be definitely going to be a tough six, seven game series for sure. Facts, because this is not the same team that the Knicks played. You know, this is not the same Hawks team that we beat three times this year. And it's probably right. not the same Nick team that beat them. It's probably a better version of themselves as well. So, <coughs> oh, shit, excuse me. It's definitely true the Hawks were the best case scenario for the Knicks, but it's also definitely true that it's still going to be really hard to beat them in a seven-game series as it'll be hard for them to beat the Knicks. So it's going to be a good battle, for real. Um, also, really, really quick, Kevin Porter Jr. Do you remember? I We talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers. We didn't care. We were like, Frank was just like, under. I was like, yep, under. I was like, under. I was like, all I'm going to say is Kevin Porter Jr. can ball. My guy can really do some things on the basketball court. He didn't play much at all for Cleveland this year. But... If you've seen my guy, guy's got some serious juice. Kyle, you think he's he, balling? Let's take the conversation of off court stuff away just because we have no idea. We don't know the guy and we don't have any control over that. We don't control over any of it. But on court, what did you see? Like, what is a best case scenario for him? Dude, he, he's like explosive, man. Like, he's super, super explosive. Where he just like gets the ball and he can go on spurts where he scores like, you know, say 10 in like a short amount of time. And he also like gets guys involved, gets out in transition real well. He's super athletic. Like he, he's, he's got a lot of potential. And I honestly, I didn't, I knew he was, they were talking about how much potential he had coming out of the draft and everything, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. I think he, he can really make a great career in the NBA. Cause if he's this young and he's doing what he's doing right now, Though Houston should be looking to build around him for next year, for the next couple of years, you know, if they plan on keeping him, I, I, I definitely would. 
I agree. Uh, the lefty game is always harder to defend. And when you have that type of shift, you have that setback that he has, you have the passing ability or willingness to pass, it, it's tough. He's he's real good. And, uh, yeah, he did play with Houston and made it work. He actually dropped 50 in one game, which was pretty yeah. was pretty wild. Uh, on to the Western Conference, a few quick, quick notes. We all nailed the Nuggets. We All five of us had over. Frank locked him in on the Nuggets. Even with the Jamal Murray injury, they still got there. Jokic will be the MVP. Um, on the Lakers, Frank, Kyle, and Duff nailed it. I remember I did it with the Heat, and I said, you know, everyone's saying the Lakers are going to be tired and banged up. The Heat are going to be tired and banged up. I'm taking under when everyone took over. You guys nailed it on the Lakers. We know what happened with them. Uh, Portland, we all hit over, and they made it by a half game, and Denver, uh, Dallas missed it by half game. So they're both 42 wins. That's an under for Dallas, over for Portland. Turns out Vegas is pretty smart, guys. With all the COVIDs, with all the injuries, with all the ins, with all the outs and the debates and the whatnots, you know, Dallas was right on their mark. Denver was close to their mark. The Clippers were two games above their mark. Uh, the, the, this one actually pissed me off because I'm the only person who took the over on the Thunder. And they were they were on pace to demolish it, bro. And they lost like their last 35 games on purpose and ended a half game under. So that hurt. They hit the brakes real hard on that one. Really, really Real hard. hard. Hit that breaks. Crazy. Um, and then, you know, everything else was pretty much across the board, just decent, solid. Kyle crushed it in the West, 10 and 5. The rest of us were were pretty average. Uh, anything stick out to you guys, though, in the West? I think I'll, I'll give the props to you. Since I didn't get a soundbite of yours, I was looking for it, ran out of time. But your, your Chris Paul take on the Suns, Kyle, was spot on uh yet again as you're a Chris Paul truther and now yeah, more man. than ever it feels like for an awesome reason. Chris Paul, he's just you know, we always say it, but he, he just turned shit into gold, man. And like this is probably his best one, probably before I guess you know, before he was with New Orleans Hornets, like, you know, when he got drafted. But like this is like the the best job he's done. There's nothing really changed about this roster but adding Chris Paul. And he pretty much came in just like Seemed like him and Monty Williams probably got on the same page. Like, dude, we need to change his culture. And, you know, we have a team with a lot of talent. And I'm sure Chris Paul saw what, you know, that team did in the bubble. I was like, dude, we are on the right path right now. We All we got to do is, you know, I'm sure make some changes here and there. And Chris Paul really, and I, you know, I also remember talking about what he's going to do with DeAndre Ayton. And look at DeAndre Ayton this year now, man. He's like destroying uh, in the league, man, he's averaging like a double double, and Chris Paul's probably taught him so much already in one season. The same thing with Devin Booker, and Devin Booker again. We from what we saw in the bubble, he's kind of taking that next step, and he's he's just a certified bucket, man. I I, I really think they have a a really good shot of going to the conference finals. They're gonna be pissed when they get the Lakers. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, if I'm if I'm the Lakers, I'm shitting bricks right now. If I'm, oh, if I'm playing the Warriors, bro. Oh, oh. I, I'm I'm very concerned. Oh, if I'm a Lakers fan, I'll be very concerned. Oh, all right. Well, let's use yeah. that. Let's use that and segue to where we have to get to the more important, more uh, you know, present, time friendly part of this podcast starts now on Subway Sports Talk. We got myself, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, and Kyle Anderson. Shout out to Frank and Andrew. We'll try to get we'll try to get the whole crew in for some sort of playoff podcast action. But now it's time to talk about the plan. And if you're not aware, 
We have the seven versus the eight in both conferences. The winner of that takes the seven. The loser of seven, eight plays the winner of nine, 10. So the loser of nine, 10 is gone. See you later. Winner takes on the loser of seven, eight. And that's how you get the seventh spot and the eighth spot in the end. So before we get into the specifics of the Celtics versus the Wizards and the Lakers versus the Warriors, are you guys feeling this setup? Are you liking it? Do you think it brought the energy the league hoped or the fans hoped it would? What are the general vibes here about the play-in tournament? I think it's awesome, personally, because it's just more playoff games to watch. And for those who are like, man, this is shitty. Why would we do something like this? It's going to be... It's going to be tough. Like, oh, it, we would be in the playoffs if this was last year, we'd be in the playoffs. You know, sometimes the standard changes. And this happened in baseball where they added the wild card team. And then you're like, man, I made the wild card. Like, I would have been in the playoffs if this was last year. It's like, all right, the standard just changed. Win your division. That's That was the answer in baseball. Now, basketball, if you, you know, the standard has changed. You got to be six or better. You want that automatic spot. You still have certain advantages if you're seven and eight, but it's not guaranteed anymore. And let, this is just going to make it more entertaining for the bottom seeds who like aren't going to win shit anyway. So if you look at it in the East, it's uh, the Celtics who we've gone over. Jalen Brown's hurt, so he's done for the season. So they really didn't even have a chance. The Wizards, you know, if the season was longer, maybe they would have done better. But really, if they end up in, in seven or eight, I, they get knocked out of the first round by the Sixers or the Nets. The Pacers went through all types of shit this year. The Hornets are young and this gives them like a, a playoff type experience. Mm. And then we get so lucky in the Western conference that the Lakers and the Warriors in the play in scenario because of so many injuries on the Lakers and Curry dragging a lottery team up into the playoffs. And then, you know, Grizzlies again, same spot as the Hornets where it's like you're, you're a young team who needs some playoff experience. Spurs are kind of like the eh team in that, but that's, you know, they're the Spurs. We need to, but I think it's super fun. It makes the that like the end of the regular season super fun still. Like it's just like, oh, are they gonna be in or out? It's like what's the seeding gonna be for the playing tournament? Is this team gonna make the playing tournament or not? Or whatever. Like you still have that late season drama. So for me, I love it. What do you guys think? I, I mean, I love it too, just because it makes every game even more important at towards the end of the season. You know, like they usually sit some of these guys out at the end of the season and hey all right we got our got our spot you know we don't gotta worry about it you know giving guys rest but i mean if you saw i mean obviously the lakers you saw um the knicks i mean the knicks really had a a seat above you know they weren't going to be in the playing tournament but they treated that that last game like it was really important just for excuse me just for seating and so i think it's i think it's tough I, I I do know that it's tough for the players just because the schedule has been like almost sandwiched this year because of COVID and the days and the rest days aren't kind of come far in between and coaches are pissed off because they don't get, you know, they barely practice this year at all. But if you carry this into next year and this is kind of like a, I guess a normal season, I think this is like such a great idea. You know, I, I loved how LeBron was the, all about it the first year came out and now that he's in it he's like whoever made this should be fired and i was like nah dude <laughs> like you're just tight <laughs> like if if you guys were healthy you wouldn't give a shit about this but since you're in it and you got to compete a little bit before the playoffs even start yeah 
like, yeah, your your season's on the line now. Right. Like if they that were the in the two he's ever said in his life. Hands down. You think that's yeah, bigger that bullshit was, than him calling bullshit. Steph MVP? What are you saying? You think it's bigger BS than him calling Steph MVP before their game? Yes. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Because now he's like calling out for like a random person to get fired, but also inadvertently calling for himself to get fired because he was he was advocating for it. So it's like, yeah, it it doesn't didn't make any sense. It it was total total progressy. Yeah, yeah. Like if he was in the two seed, like you know they were before he got hurt, he wouldn't have anything to say. (laughs) You know he he it was it was like it was like a scene from like the Gladiator, bro. Like. Let them let them fight themselves off, like yeah. and then they'll come and play me. Like he'll dude, be praying like, for the Spurs to win, you know, and then like so he gets an easier matchup. Uh, yeah, the only problem I have with it, and I don't know, I don't know the exact fix. So you know, I'm even hard pressed to bring it up. But the Spurs are nine games behind the Lakers, nine games. So if the Lakers now lose one game to the Warriors, which is possible, we'll get to it. And then the Spurs beat the Grizzlies. Like, they have a chance to knock the Lakers out of the playoffs. Now, I get it. Take care of business, win the game, whatever. But nine games is a, quite the chunk. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, it's only three games separating Boston from Charlotte. It's a huge difference. Like, does there need to be a threshold? You know, I think in the bubble, they did X amount of games back. We're into the little uh, final stages of the play-in stuff. You know, like, so does it need to be tweaked? Or are we cool with running this back and seeing how it goes in the full season first? No, I'm I'm not ready to tweak this yet. Let's just watch it, let it play out. Because if if it plays out the way it's supposed to play out, and the Grizzlies win, then fine. No one cares that they were nine games out. They'd be like, oh yeah, they're supposed to lose. Fuck them. Like that's it. Yeah. So such is life. Let's just let it play out before we start changing it. Although I don't hate the idea, because then what if it's like some team with like 30 wins against a team who I think it was. It was when was this when is when the was Suns Gorn, the Suns yeah when they wins. had the triple point guards they had like eight yeah like the fifty win eight seed yeah if that no happens, they didn't even make it yeah oh yeah when they yeah right right they were forty eight wins didn't even make the playoffs coach uh, coach Hornacek you know his shining moment as a coach you know he made, he made the yeah. nine seed with forty eight wins yeah. Uh, so yeah we, you know I I agree hold hold tight see how it goes and probably run it back maybe make some slight tweaks maybe I do I do feel that though just because like you know. If I'm the Lakers, you know, potentially losing your season to a team that shouldn't even be in consideration. If if it was, you know, the classic playoff system, the team that that should not be there is now in contention to take your spot. I can I can see them having an argument with that, but at the same time, you know, if you handle your business during the season, you you wouldn't have to deal with that. I know they had a lot of injuries and everything, but still, you know, they 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 had enough talent on that roster to do better than they did. You know, I I think they they could have held their own a little bit, you know, a little bit better than they did. Uh, to me, the biggest thing you're saying the discrepancy between like the seven seed and the ten seed within the conference. To me, it's still the cross cross conference because the Celtics are a seven seed and the Lakers are a seven seed. And the Lakers are six games better than the Celtics. Like the the mm-hmm. Lakers would be the four seed in the East. Hey, don't be giving away but, my four seed. But that, I'm just saying, man. Like, <laughs> no, no, you're, right, you're right. You're know? we'll right. You're right. And it's uh, it's even tougher when you see Dallas, Portland, and Lakers had the same exact record. Same exact record. Now tiebreakers are tiebreakers. It is what it is. But it's tough. Players are going to hate it. Coaches are going to hate it. 
but owners voted Great. on it. It was agreed upon. It is what it is. It's going to be hella exciting. Uh, so let's talk about how exciting it's going to be, uh, despite the worry. So the place to start here is obviously Lakers-Warriors. I think Celtics-Wizards will also be fascinating because Bill Simmons said it best, and obviously he knows the Celtics better than pretty much anybody. He's like, I'll bet my life that this game is a three-point game within two minutes. He's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the Celtics are going to lose, honestly. Like, they've been such a wreck. But I can guarantee you it's going to be a close game, and we're going to be pissed off that Westbrook breaks a, a, a jumper, throws it out of bounds, and then dunks on somebody within 30 seconds. You know, Tatum's going to hit a crazy three in the corner that he should never make, and then Marcus Smart will take a 40-footer the next possession. Like, wildness will happen in Boston, Washington. But we got to start with the Lakers and the Warriors. So, LeBron's back. First and foremost, Kyle. We think he was flapping a little bit on that injury. We think he was stretching it out, making sure he was extra, extra right once he knew play-in was likely anyway. You think he was waiting, waiting, waiting? So, what? what's your NBA outsider take on LeBron James's percentage of health right now? I would say he's probably at like 80%. And, you know... If he's if he's going into this season into the playoffs, uh, injured at all, he probably wouldn't have played in that those you know those last two games. But I can see him kind of dragging that along and being like, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much not t- not tank, but you know, I'm I'm going to get as healthy as possible because I know I'm gonna have to ball out. Currently, his team is not playing as well as they should. But, of course, in that Pacers game, they looked like they were the Monstars. And he uh, he's he's going to have to take over. He's going to have to take over. And I think he's, I think he's probably at 80%. It's, it, this, this, matchup, this matchup is really intriguing, obviously, because Steph and LeBron. But what are these role players going to do, especially for the Warriors? I'm I'm very curious to see what the Warriors role players are going to do. Like if they're going to step up and actually compete, or if they're going to kind of cower down to to the Lakers and, and LeBron and AD. So this move by LeBron, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know how hurt he was. My gut is kind of telling me like he must have actually been hurt. You know, like because. The lowest seed to ever win an NBA championship is the sixth seed. So if they're really going to win an NBA championship, this would be historic as a seventh seed to come out of not only the play-in tournament, which is additional games before you even get to the quote-unquote like cream of the crop in your conference as a you know a two seed or a one seed coming out. Um, so it doesn't really make any sense why he wouldn't just be like, all right, yeah, let me just get one more win. And then we're 43 and 29, and we're playing against the banged up Denver Nuggets that don't have Jamal Murray. So I don't know. The, the math of it didn't make any sense, like why he would really sit out for that long. I, I don't know. I guess he didn't really think they were going to drop or what. It doesn't make any sense to me why he, they would let it get this bad. Yeah, that, that, that's the part that makes you think like it must have been rough. And he was like, I can't, I can't go how I need to go yet. So I'm waiting. But I, I do think there might have been a little bit towards the end when it was like, damn, we're most likely getting seven. Tiebreakers are not working in our favor here. Like, I'm just going to wait till the last possible moment, get a few reps in before it's over so I can not right. come in completely cold to the playing tournament. And right. It, what do you think, real quick, uh, before we keep talking about Lakers-Warriors in that matchup? Like, for example, the Clippers, 
seem to have kind of given up uh, a few games there to drop to four to be on the non-Laker side of the bracket almost, right? It's kind of a crazy move if that's the case. Like, they didn't care about the three seed, and you can't tell me they wanted Dallas over Portland. I don't think you really care there. It kind of is what it is in that matchup. Both pretty tough, both winnable for the Clippers. Like, what is up with the finagling of the of the standings? It happens every year, but they kind of, like, chose their own destiny, maybe showed their hand they don't want the Lakers. Maybe if you get the Lakers now, if you get there to the conference finals or whatever, they're going to be even closer to full strength. It's kind of a risky move. What do you think about the idea in general, not just the Clippers, of trying to finagle where you are to get the right matchup? I feel like it comes back to bite you. No, no, I, I think it's... I mean, doing it this way is super weird, but it's. I think it's definitely the move to try to really manipulate those matchups. For example, the Sixers, it was like really important for them to get the one seed, not just for like home court advantage, obviously important, not, you know, not the most important thing, but it, it is a factor. But what it does is put the Nets and the Bucks on the other side of the bracket so that you don't have to play against them until you get to the conference finals. So if I'm the Clippers, I beat the Mavs last year Porzingis has been in and out, like not really healthy. To me, the Mavericks are worse having Josh Richardson instead of Seth Curry this season. And even though Jalen Brunson's been kicking ass, on the if on the Clippers, we can't be worried about like you said, Blazers versus uh, Mavericks. If we're really worried about that, we're not a championship contender. And then the Jazz, I don't know. I I still don't believe in them because they're the Jazz. But you know, Pete, cover your ears for that one. But now, you've been missing the podcast, bro. I'm a jazz hater nowadays. Oh, for real? Yeah, bro. I'm out here feuding folks on Twitter about the jazz. I actually made the mistake of, I had, I you don't even know any of this, but I had this like big back and forth with a bunch of jazz people about Rudy Gobert and like they were coming at me. I was like, damn, like these people are really. And he shouldn't be defensive player of the year? No, no. It was about MVP. It was about MVP, about him being on the MVP ballot. I'm totally right here. I'm not even feel. I don't even, it's not, it is Why what it is. Would you even- he shouldn't even be defensive player of the year. I'm sorry, because guess what's going to happen? There we in the go, playoffs? Duffy. He's gonna let's get, go. <laughs> he's going to get played off the court for, by a team that goes small, and then he can't guard anybody. Like yeah. how many times he gets stuck in the paint, has, and there's a elbow jumper wide open. He just no. He sits in the lane, and that's it. That's all he cares about. And he's just. I, I mean, I get it mathematically. He's sure, sick, that's but. fine. But it, you can't just have somebody who can't step out beyond ten feet from the basket and be like defensive player of the year. Yeah, so I'm with That's you. And now I follow a few of these jazz fans who are like writers or bloggers and stuff like that as well. So they're like really invested. They know their shit. They got their statistics on the regular. And I'm watching some of their tweets. I'm like, God, man, these people are really out here saying some wild stuff about, about the jazz and, and whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, Utah's a weird fucking place. Yeah, I agree. With the with the Sixers yeah. front, man, it makes the Sixers bracket look real nice. You're like, all right, take care of business in the first round. Should be no problem. You get the Knicks or the Hawks in the second round. That's great. And let the Bucks and, and Nets just beat each other up and, and see what happens. All right, back to the Lakers and Warriors, though. We got AD semi-healthy. We got LeBron semi-healthy. We got Steph Curry absolutely on fire and healthy, more or, more or less. Draymond doing Draymond stuff for the most part, but still can't score. Is it as simple as Steph needs to drop 45 for them to win this game? I mean, the Lakers' defense is also fantastic. Like, What's the what's the worry level for the Lakers? You know, are you 60% worried? Are you 20% worried? Obviously, you're taking the game 100% serious. You can't take a, a, any team lightly here, especially Steph Curry. But how about this better off? If you're a Lakers fan, 
what's your worry meter at right now, Duff? Uh, it's kind of the highest it can be, and that's not because I think the Warriors are so much better than the Lakers. It's that the Lakers are better than the Warriors, but the Warriors could beat the Lakers in this game. So it's like they're playing with house money, and like you said, if Steph just goes off for 50 or something, it, it really puts them in the mix to win this game, and he is completely capable of doing that considering he can score from anywhere inside the offensive half. So I think this is like the worst spot to be for the Lakers where it's like everyone expects you to win. And if you lose this, it's definitely a big time choke and you're not out of the playoffs. Like really, I I would honestly rather play the, the jazz than the Suns, probably if I'm the Lakers. I agree because I, I, I think if I'm putting a percentage on it, like for the this this first game, like this, talk about a tough, tough draw, you know, if you're the Lakers to be playing them in the in this play in. For me, I think I'll be seventy five percent worried mm. because Steph can really just take over the entire game. You know how, how hot he's been lately. And he's probably probably the hottest player in the league right now. And this is your defensive matchup. And you have two guys that are both coming off of inter- inj- injuries, and you expect them to compete with a guy who's obviously, like I said, just a guy who's been super hot right now. And you know, just the I feel like the Lakers have the most pressure. You know, the Warriors are playing with house money; they they shouldn't be there anyway. It's if it wasn't for Steph, they would be, you know, probably out of the play-in. They'd be like but, the worst team in the league. <laughs> They'd yeah, be terrible. Yeah, maybe worst team in the league. So with uh, you know, with LeBron and, and AD, if they if they lose this game and say they have to mess around and play, uh, you know, the Spurs or, or the Grizzlies, whatever it is, in the uh in the second second game, that I like I, I'm not I'm not confident for them. You don't want to mess around with the Grizzlies there's, either. There's a lot of pressure. You don't want to mess around with Memphis. Like they're not the most talented team. But they play as hard as anybody. They're kind of like Knicks East without Julius Randle right now. John Morant, we thought, could be at that all-NBA level maybe already. But he clearly wasn't ready to be all-NBA guy or even an all-star this year. We thought he might take that leap. But they're pretty similar. They have that grit, that toughness. They have a bunch of guys who do stuff well. They have some good shooting, some efficient shooters. Um, The Knicks are a little bit better probably all around. But they're pretty much Knicks West, Western Conference. Uh, You don't want to mess around with them. They, They come out hot. Um, if you think about the others on the Lakers now that we saw them play too without LeBron and AD for a while, is there one guy that sticks out to you of the Kuzmas, the Talon Horton Tuckers, the Harold Schroeder was in COVID. I don't know. I think he's going to be back, but like, is there one guy on the Lakers outside of LeBron and AD that you look at and say, Hey, we either need huge performance from you on defense or you better hit some damn shots. Cause we need something here. I guess it would be KCP, man. He's probably mm-hmm. the most reliable guy on a team, you know, that that's done it before in a playoffs for them last year. You know, he's going to have to step up big time just because you still, you know, Kuzma still isn't as consistent as probably they would wish him to be. And Horton Tucker is kind of his first experience even in the rotation. So for, for LeBron, I'm sure he's looking to him like as like the, as the next guy, like, I, I don't know, is, is, is Schroeder back? Uh, I think he's coming back because he was just in protocol. I think he's back. Okay. I'll, I'll double check though. Yeah, but I, I would, 
I would uh, 100% if I'm LeBron, I'm, I'm relying on or just leaning on KCP the most just because it's a guy that, that you can rely on that's that's done it and 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 is and is a guy that can shoot the three, you know, which which LeBron always needs when he can get into the paint. Schroeder, uh, I gotta okay. go with Schroeder because he was the guy when LeBron was out early. He was the one who was stepping up for them. I, you know, like you guys are saying, I have no idea if he's coming back or not. But someone who has the ball in his hand, who is going to be able to create for others and also get to the rim, score uh, from all three levels at varying degrees of success. Not always known for his long range shooting, but he he is someone who can make others better. Not, you know, that's why I think. He can deliver the ball to AD. He can deliver the ball to shooters. But if he's not healthy, I, he's not going to be the one who's going to step up for this team, obviously. But if it's not him, I don't know who it's going to be. I, I don't see it being Kuzma, Harrell, uh, you know, Marcus Saul. Really hope he's healthy for the for the Lakers. They're going to need him early. Yeah, for for sure. It's gonna it's gonna be tough, and uh, maybe a little Caruso action. He gets it going again. Uh, we'll we'll see how they can do it, and. Uh, one guy, I guess, to watch, or two guys to watch for me on the Warriors are the others, the true others. Wiggins is, like, not an other for them, which is a problem. You want him to be an other. But Bazemore and JTA, Juan Toscano Anderson, have been able to do some things for them and be, like, those true professionals to, you know, really, really give them a boost, whether it be the little things, just shooting or making the right cut, whatever it may be. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Lakers are going to be favored in that game. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait to see Steph and LeBron head-to-head. That's a treat. It's really a treat, and it'll be a disappointment if one of those teams don't make the Final Eight because the Warriors might have a chance against the Jazz, too. I think we obviously think the Lakers, if they're healthy, will be the favorite. Even if they're playing the Jazz or the Suns, they might be the favorite. Uh, so that's a fact. The Warriors, though, at 8 and maybe at 7, still have a chance to make some noise. But let's talk about the Eastern Conference thing before we finish up here. We're not going to spend time on the, the Hornets and the Pacers. I mean, we'll have to at some point if when the Celtics or Wizards have to play them. But the real interesting game here is Celtics-Wizards. Celtics have been a train wreck. We talked about no Jalen Brown. We talked about the Wizards and their success recently. Do you have more faith in the Celtics stuff to come ready to play with no baggage and no BS or more faith in Russell Westbrook not doing crazy stuff to blow it late in this game for the Wizards. <laughs> I have no faith in either, but the <laughs> the fact that the like like the Wizards part of that question is isolated to Russell Westbrook, like that gives me more confidence in the Wizards. You mm-hmm. know, it's like the, with the Celtics, it's, it's like, all right, is everyone going to come out flat? Probably, like probably. You know, just it's definitely probable. And Westbrook, yeah, he might do some crazy shit. That's gonna all right. Well, take that back. He's definitely gonna do some crazy <laughs> shit. But sometimes it works in your favor. Like it's really rushing roulette with him. So I think it just has more upside for the Wizards. I'll be really surprised if the Celtics beat if the Celtics win that game. I honestly think the I know we're said not not gonna spend too much time on the Hornets and we don't have to, but like I would give them a pretty decent shot to make it through to the eighth seed. Wow. So no faith. You have any faith in the Celtics, Kyle? No, just because this is a team that this isn't a team that can just turn it on. And I and that's I think my biggest thing is that we've seen them be flat before 
And it's not like, oh, like, hey, we're going to get up for this game and, hey, we know they're going to perform. No, nah, they're they're going to give us the same thing. that they, They've been consistent with giving us bad performances. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? They're, they're inconsistent. Right. And this is, uh, you know, especially with Tatum missing on Brown, this is going to be tough for him to just shoulder this this entire, you know, pretty much season in one game. I don't know if he'll be, I don't, and it's nothing against Tatum. It's just, it's asking a lot of them. And I don't know if guys like Pritchard in his first season is going to pull up and give it, give you 25, which I don't think is going to happen. You no, know, Marcus Smart. Yes. He's going to compete, but is he going to, you know, play as advertised as well? Cause you know, he's very, he's a streaky shooter as well. So I think it's, if I'm betting any kind of money, it's going to be on the wizards. I don't want to see the Celtics just limp into like a seven or eight seed and like know that they're going to get swept by whatever team they play. I would rather see the Hornets make it, know that they're going to get swept by whoever they play, <laughs> but they're going to be young and have fun doing it. Like it'll be kind of like an overachieving thing. And it's, and it's, it's, it's like the Celtics are just somebody, you just got to like, just put them down. Just let them go. It's yeah. over, you know? We need to cut them off at the source right now and just start fresh. They need to do a, a lot to change what they're doing over there. And now, of course, the Celtics will come out and, you know, have a fire under their ass and play sick. And we're just going to be like, well, I guess they had that in them. Uh, you know, I, yep. there's almost no reason to even predict them right now because if you want to use reason about their talent, it doesn't matter because it hasn't been true this year. And if you want to say they're going to suck like we've been saying – they might come out and put together a real good game, and it's going to be annoying almost either way, pretty much. Uh, last thing on this game here, Bradley Beal is in this category of NBA player where he hasn't really done anything as far as playoff success. They had a little bit of playoff success, him and John Wall. I think they won one series together. Um, so and he, lost to the Celtics, I think. Yeah, and they lost a bunch of series as well in the playoffs. Um, but they have he hasn't done anything in, in the playoffs at all, Bradley Beal. He just missed on the scoring title this year. Another 30-point-per-game season for him. We all know what he can do offensively. Does the, like He's still completely in the clear, though, is my point. Like, Is he in question at all for his winning ways? I feel like he doesn't really get a lot of crap because the Wizards have been dysfunctional and not great talent-wise. What what does it take for them to reach a point where we have to then start truly being critical of Bradley Beal? Because I feel like at this point, it's so dumb to try and be critical of him because he's carrying so much of their offensive load. I would say the reason to be critical of him is because he is staying in Washington, which mm. is like kind of counterintuitive to the way that we treat everything. But it's just been really dysfunctional his whole career. Scott Brooks is a bad coach. The Russell Westbrook experiment is just like proven to have failed. Uh, so, it, point being, like, I don't see a lot of hope in Washington. So, he kind of controls his own destiny. We see the way that James Harden just forced his way out. I mean, he got shit for it, but it's like, do I want to be liked and lose all the time, or do I want to be hated and win championships or have like at least the potential to do so? That's that's kind of up to him, but through the lens of which you're asking the question where it's like, are we going to punish his lack of winning? It's like, I think the kind of mentality starts with where he decides to live in Washington, where he decides to play in Washington. It's just not, 
something that I ever see flipping in any meaningful way to make him up like a true championship contender. He's not, he's not winning in Washington. He's going to have to get out of there. There's, it's literally impossible for him to win there, I believe. And like you said, he, he has the opportunity to write his own destiny and he's chosen to stay in Washington, which it's almost, it's, it's not the same, but at the same time you kind of like compare it. It's almost like Mike Trout and the angels. Like, why are you still in LA, dude? Like you're wasting your years. Like they're just going down a drain and he's doing the same thing in Washington. And by the time he realizes that he's, he should be playing somewhere else to compete for a championship, it's going to be too late. And he's going to be too old. And, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that, were like, that fans are complaining about. Like, dude, why do we still have this contract on here? Let's get rid of him. He's not who we thought he was going to be. Mm. And it's, and not, it's he, probably not his fault. He needs to make a move. It might get toxic from within. And then yeah. everyone else in other markets is like, Oh shit! Look at why, the why Wizards fans. That? They don't appreciate Bradley Beal and Bra- oh, he never gave us anything. Like, yeah, right. It's like he's not yeah, on the I same timeline anymore. Like he just might have grown out, like outgrown it. The same way when when the Timberwolves got Jimmy Butler, and I was like, that's not going to be a good fit. Like, yeah, they might make the playoffs, but they're not going to. You're 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 not going to find any long term success for that, and that's because. Uh, Jimmy Butler was just on a totally different timeline than Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Like those guys weren't ready and who knows if they ever will be, but Jimmy was clearly, you know, yeah. after going to the finals last year. And it's not, it's not like Embiid and Simmons in Philadelphia where it's like, if they're trying to force their way out, it's like you realize you're just like the worst team every year. And also you've only been in the league for like one year. So why, like, why do you think it's not your fault too? Like you're a rookie basically, you know, he's just kind of getting up in years. It's like time to, you know, time to go. Like, let's yeah. say they get the number one pick somehow, miraculously, this draft. It's like, he's not going to be on the same time. Then it's like still another four to five years before you can do anything. Like, yeah, it's just, it just doesn't seem like it's going to flip in the right direction. It just, it doesn't. It sucks. But <clears throat> yeah, there's going to be a point with him where people stop caring about 30 points per game and be like, hey, maybe like get your assist from four to seven, like some of the other best players in the leagues have, you know, and maybe that could help. You know, they have some talent, but it ain't enough. Um, to, to move on and finish this up, what is the absolute ceiling for them? Is it getting to the seven and beating the Nets, or is it just getting to the seven or eight and, like, winning two games and making it interesting and Russell Westbrook getting a few quotes in, maybe dunking on Embiid one time and then getting shitted on later on in the game? Like, is that the ceiling, just them winning a game or two? Because in the West, we have legitimate chances for the seven and the eight to possibly win a series like legit so there's no chance of that in the east no i'd say ceiling is they get the seven seed and they win like two games against the nets like that that would be a massive success like that that is absolutely the ceiling in my mind unless you know this is like assuming there's not some massive injury to like kd and james harden or like two of those guys you know what i mean like barring any injuries Two wins as a seven seed. That's it. Yeah, that yeah sounds, that's all. That's all they're getting. Sounds about right. So, so definitely more that's intrigue. That's what it's supposed to be. The one and two are supposed to be better than the seven eight. You know? Yeah. Right. It's weird yeah. as hell and unfortunate for the Jazz and Suns that it's not the case in, in the West. It's it sucks. 
52 wins in a 72 game season and you get you might get the Lakers or you might get Steph Curry like god damn that's so brutal. Yeah, it's, yeah, tough. it's trash but tough draw. Hey, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But it's like also if I was the the if I told the Jazz or the Suns like hey, you're going to get the first or second seed this season and they'll be like fuck yeah, that's awesome. Like, right. Take if it. You, we'll if take you're it. Phoenix, you're Phoenix. This is just like, you know, just icing on the cake, dude. Like you're in the playoffs and you're competitive. And you got a shot to go to the conference finals, but hey, you're gonna have to play a you know 38 win Warriors team. All right, dude, like let's do it then, you know, because this is this is all just right gravy for them right now. A two seed, and that's, then it's like put up or shut up time. It's like yeah, you're yep. supposed to be this 50 win team, be the 50 win team, and beat the beat the 38 win team. Pretty simple. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got today. Subway Sports Talk. John Lucas, Duffy, Kyle Anderson, myself, Pete Kennedy. Last words will be super, 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 super quick. One series. That already exists right now. Don't have to go too deep into it. Just one series that you're kind of particularly looking forward to uh, that we already have set. Or, you know, one series that you definitely want to see if it is maybe Lakers, Suns, or whatever, whatever it may be. So, Kyle, go first. One series you're just kind of keeping an eye on that you look forward to. You're writing it down in your calendar. I'm not missing this one. You know what? I want to see that Bucks and Heat mm. match up. I think a little run it run it back from last year. I want to see that because I I know, you know, Giannis. He doesn't talk a lot of shit, but like, you know, he kind of plays with like that attitude, like he's always got something to prove. And if he's really like about that, and you know, obviously Jimmy Butler is always ready. That's that's gonna be a good matchup because it's it's you know they can they can really right some wrongs in that series. And I want to see what the Heat do. You know, because the Heat were kind of inconsistent throughout the whole year. You know, you never really knew what you were going to get from them. And they're, you know, with COVID and injuries and they're out for a while and then just weren't, wasn't really playing too, too well. I think that's probably the one that I had my eyes on. I guess like the first one I, that comes to mind where I'm like, you know what? I could sit down and watch that, you know, watch all seven games of that for sure. Uh, I'd say in the East, it's the four or five matchup, Knicks Hawks. Uh, because the Knicks haven't been this good since, you know, in like 10 years or eight years, I guess, technically 2013 season. But yeah. And then, and I actually think they can win that series against the Hawks. I know some people like the Hawks better, like certainly have more talent on paper, but you know, Knicks have been gritting and grinding all season. So we'll see what happens. And then in the West, it's again, the four or five matchup Clippers Mavs Mm -hmm. rematch of last year. That was a fun ass series, even though it only went to six games. Uh, Luca obviously had that awesome buzzer beater. There were a lot of ejections and technical fouls. It got real chippy. So I'm actually excited for that one uh, to to run it back. This is the four or five matchup as opposed to I think last year was three six. Yeah, and a chance for the Clippers to put their money where their mouth is, for lack of a better term. Just kind of they they've been like dead quiet. This yeah, whole season. just stop saying stuff. Mm. They kind of stopped saying stuff. You know, occasionally you get the random Paul George quote, but mostly it's quiet in LA and it's like, all right, maybe you're just taking care of business. Like been shooting good all year. Like now beat Luca. Beat Luca and keep it moving. Let's see let's see if you can pull that off. Mine will almost by default, but it was literally gonna be mine anyway, is Denver versus Portland. Now, obviously if Jamal Murray was here, we would probably say the the Nuggets were a bigger favorite. I think they're still a slight favorite, but we know what that dude, Dame Lillard, can do in the playoffs. So the Nuggets beware. Make sure, make sure you guard him at, uh, to the best of your ability so we know what can happen there. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are waiting 
for their chance to put down the MVP season of Nikola Jokic. I think there's obviously a ton of people who respect the season and are pulling for Jokic and love to watch him because that's, let's be honest, like that's the right side of the coin to be on. But we know how this league works. We know how our world works. Haters are waiting. They're waiting for the MVP to fall apart in the playoffs so they can say, look, it should have been Embiid. Oh, it was LeBron, but he got hurt. Oh, Steph Curry should have been the MVP. Whatever it may be, people are waiting to pick this apart. And I want to see my boy Jokic show up because he has awesome playoff numbers. Keep doing what he does. And maybe they might even win a series without dramatics. Now we're talking Dame Lillard. Dramatics are probably in the future of this series. That's interesting to me. It'll be a huge win for the Blazers to get through. And uh, let me see who they get real quick. If they get through, they will get the winner of uh, Phoenix and 7 seed. So maybe that might be the end of the road for them. So this one series might be huge. It might give them a chance to sneak into a conference finals again. Well, that that one's huge, though. It's kind of a linchpin. You know, if the Lakers aren't healthy, either of those teams can win. It, it'll be interesting. The West is kind of interesting top to bottom now. But all right, that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk. Thanks so much for listening. For John Lucas W. For Kyle Anderson, I'm Pete Kennedy. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Subway Sports Talk on Instagram, at Subway Sports Talk. And on Twitter, Subway Sports Talk, TLK. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about the playoffs coming up. We got more action for you later in the week and beyond. Cheers, everybody.